He keeps bringing their fresh wind of the kingdom in our midst, which is so good. And I know he's got great things in store today. And with being Sean and Daniel, going to minister a little bit in song and incense of worship and then going to share with us. And so Sean travels all over the world with the message of, you know, the priesthood and the ministering unto the Lord, shifting the atmosphere with your worship, with who you are in your everyday worship, and then together, burns. Have you heard, have you heard of burn 24-7? I know we just did a burn like two weeks ago, right? So it's six six-hour burn. But these guys all over the world, Iraq to all over the places, do these 50-hour burns or more, you know, and it's worship and prayer, get indigenous sounds from the nations he goes to and they're releasing their songs to the Lord. And it's just an honor to have Sean with us today again to release that fresh wind amongst us here in Richmond City to stir things up. So thank you, Jesus, for these guys. Come Holy Spirit. How y'all doing this morning? Well, I was going to share and speak, and I, I will, but I just thought I can't come to Richmond and not sing a little bit. So I woke up, I woke up this morning with a little congestion thing and uh, realized that you guys are just as much in the polar vortex as we are <laughs> in Pennsylvania. We did not bring it. We will not take credit for this. But um, I'm here with my good friend Daniel. So probably one of the happiest people you'll ever meet and um you know i just i just got back about five days ago from uh, japan and i'm headed a week from right now i'll be on a plane to india and so it was just really cool to be able to to sneak a little trip in here down to virginia and i won't go into my whole story but i i did gr- grow up falling in love with the lord in virginia beach and uh that's kind of where I'm, where I grew up in my um, high school years, and where I learned how to play guitar, and where I just, you know, cut my teeth as a worship leader in our youth group there. And so, anyway, it's a very special place to me. And you know, I was thinking yesterday when we were driving down, um, and we we crossed the river. I didn't even realize like it's Valentine's Day weekend, and Virginia's for lovers. I thought. <laughs> Man, it's perfect. And then I was extra happy because I brought um, I brought this 1963 Sunburst Gibson J45 guitar with me that I never travel with unless I'm driving somewhere. And um, and I brought it with me. And this this is you know kind of the same guitar that they would have used in the Summer of Love. Um, this is I don't know if there's any any ex hippies in the room, but. This is the same guitar that Janis Joplin would have been playing and, and guys like that. And uh, only the Lord knows what's actually been done with this guitar. Um, but I really, I really wanted to, you know, a few years ago, I, I was talking to a good friend of mine who's a father in, in, in music industry and in worship, Ricky Skaggs, who's kind of the founder of bluegrass music and he's just a holy ghost spirit-filled believer and he he knows he's one of one of those guys that kind of knows everybody and i and you know he was good friends with johnny cash and he like led a lot of those guys to the lord back in the day and i told him i really want a 63 gibson and so um he was looking for me for three years for for something that matched this description and um you know, instruments are a big thing to me because, you know, I mean, even going back to the Tabernacle of David, you know, David, uh, they had regulations and rules where they all crafted their own instruments. And uh, they would spend time carving them and they would spend time stringing them. And, and um, so it, it's kind of a big deal. And I really feel like we're coming into a season and, you know, to jump on the cliche of Valentine's Day where the Lord's really restoring first love again. And, you know, and I just think even being here this morning with you guys on Valentine's Day, even though it's negative 43 degrees, um, I feel like the Lord, and it's one of the things we want to do this morning, is just kind of sing and just ask the Lord to stir up that spirit of first love over our hearts. And, um, you know, this guitar used to be used to bring in a counterfeit love movement that really at its root was rebellion. And, and its root was the orphan spirit. And it, you know, 
the baby boomers, you know, passed along this, this culture of rebellion that I believe the Lord is breaking in this season. And he's, you know, and so even old guitars can sing new love songs. So, so we're going to sing a couple love songs this morning. Is that all right? Daniel's going to play a little bit. And Lord, we just thank you for your presence this morning. And how I love, how I love your presence. How I love, how I love your presence. And how I There's no time like today. 
There's no time like today There's no time like today You see, there's no time like today Just take a minute and just rededicate yourself to love. Just lay down your life for love. all sing that together this morning let it be a sweet sound from Richmond to the Lord and I love you Oh 
telling you the water level of worship is is rising in this city and uh, 
You know, we were together last night with, I don't know, a few hundred just, I mean, who goes to a worship, who goes to a worship thing in a blizzard on Valentine's Day night? <laughs> Crazy. But there were people there, and they didn't want to stop singing. They wouldn't shut up, man. They were just, <laughs> it's awesome. And it's just, it's just such a real a privilege and, and an honor to be with you guys and to sow into the, the ground again of this great state in this region. And I think I'd mentioned it the last few times I was here, but I, I uh, grew up really f falling in love with the Lord. Um, and my house was about 15 miles from where the first cross was planted on the shores of North America in Cape Henry, Virginia. And... Um, it's an ever-present reminder. Of course, we do stuff, you know, all over the world with the burn. We have about 120 furnaces of worship across the world, and, and we get around a bit. But I just feel every time I come here the significance of Virginia taking its place, you know, and returning back to the really the, the original calling and mandate of the pioneers that came over, you know. And obviously, they weren't perfect, and there was, you know, stuff that they were – dealing with too, but their intent in their heart was to be in a land where they were free to worship. That's what all the original documents say. That's what drove them to come across the massive ocean where many of them died and were sick and, and, and didn't make it. They were so hungry for freedom of worship. You know, and it's just, it's crazy the day that we live in. You know, it's, it's fast forward hundreds and hundreds of years later and Sometimes it's hard to get us motivated to worship, you know, in the mornings. Like, oh, it's so cold out, you know, and it's like these guys risk their lives to come on boats for months at a time, you know. And they created and made a way for us to enter in. And I just feel like this season, and, you know, we were actually in uh, lower Manhattan in the middle of a 24-hour burn as the clock struck midnight into the new year. And uh, it was really cool because, you know, we just, we have our hearts set, you know, ever since the Lord moved us back to the Northeast. And uh, we were living in the, in the nation of Texas at the time. And um, just to bring that in again. And uh, it's the only state the flag can fly the same height as the American flag. Look it up. Fact check it. Um, but, you know, we were there. And, 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 you know, when the Lord called, you know, I kept thinking, you know, I had dreams. I, I grew up as, as a boy in, in, the, in the Rocky Mountains of Montana, and I just had always wanted to go west, go back to nature and adventure. And when the Lord gave us the call, and at the time we had, we had planted a school in Hawaii, and that sounded like a real good place to move to. California was on our radar, all these other places. And the Lord really gave us a I want, I want the focus of our gathering to be on Jesus and say, you're the reason we're bringing in the new year, you know, and I wanted, I, I wanted to do it, and we had done stuff outside of Jersey, and it's just hard to find a building, it's expensive, and, you know, they're booked up for years and years at a time, and anyway, uh, okay, we had this amazing, uh, amazing door of favor that opened up right across the street from the Federal Reserve Building and two blocks away from the Freedom Tower. 
And so right there, literally in the heart of Lower Manhattan, like the bull of Wall Street was like, you know, a street. We ignited, you know, uh, 24 hours of worship. We packed hundreds of people in, and, and uh, my friends placed there. I mean, they're just so hardcore. They, you know, they, they have this, this, this building, and, you, you know, it's typical New York. You've got to go down underground to get to it. And you go under it, and it opens up, and it, it's this, you know, this big room that can seat several hundred people. And they believe so much that, that worship that the incense and fragrance of worship should flood New York City. They pay 20000 a month to rent this place and do worship services there. Most of the time, they don't even know how it's going to get paid. Like, and most of the time, they'll be doing their worship sets during the week, and some stockbroker from Wall Street will walk by and get hit by the power of God, walk into downstairs, see that there's a group that's worshiping, and say, I'll just pay your rent this month, you know? It's really cool, you know, and, and they have tons of stories like that. But anyway, as we, were, as we were together in New York City and the clock struck midnight, and, and I actually brought these because I was wearing these. And I was playing my ukulele at the time. And I thought about if I preached the whole morning in these, could you guys take me seriously, you know? Um, but we were playing the ukulele, and we were just partying, man. That's the only way to bring in the New Year, just party. You know, we're just partying. and I mean, it was an amazing time of worship. We were dancing, just going ballistic. Like, this expectation began to rise in my heart, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, Sean, this 2015, like, I'm bringing the church back again. We're coming, they're coming back to the first love, back, back to the place of empowerment, back to encounter. And I just started to get all of these, like, crazy, almost like giddy, like, I don't know how to explain it, just like giddy and, and, and expectation began to rise in my heart, and I began to kind of go through the Rolodex in my head of all the hundreds of leaders and pastors and worship leaders I know across America, and I just would begin to see each of them getting infused with like a fresh fire and a fresh childlike hunger for the presence of God, and, and Literally everywhere we've been, I mean, it's only the middle of February, but the last month and a half, I've seen a hunger in worship. Like, it's like starting to hijack even traditional churches, you know? And if you want to know, like, my end-time eschatology and where I feel like the world's going, we are headed for a ginormous intergalactic global hijacking of worship and prayer. And, and, and if you want theology for that, read the Bible. It's all in there. You know, it says in Malachi 1.11 that from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, that every place incense will rise. Every place. Every crevice of planet Earth will be saturated with the fragrance and adoration of Jesus. Not one part. Like, the cool thing is that in my theology and eschatology, like, the enemy actually gets no part of Earth. He gets no part. He gets no college campus. He gets no ghetto. He gets no red light district. He gets no war zone. And it's funny, on the way in here, I've been praying. We just, and I want to share a little bit about this story because I'm so excited. Um, But we just launched uh, what I believe is going to be one of our most successful missions, outreaches, campaigns this year. And where the doors have swung wide open into northern Iraq into ISIS-infested territory where the Kurds and the Yazidi people groups are being persecuted. And, and in, 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 the, in the wake of the terror and the travesty and their, them getting chased out of their villages and their homes being burned and their, ki- their children being decapitated. And, I mean, like, what you see on the news times 100. I mean, it's on a level. This is a level of heinous, evil, and demonic influence that we've never seen in our generation. But in the wake of that, you know, it has, this disillusionment has risen in these people because they're being murdered in the name of Allah. And Allah, I mean, it's Muslims killing Muslims. But the unreached Yazidis and the unreached Kurds, you know, are being driven out. And now they're, they're gathering in refugee camps. And, and you know, it's just actually, we have a team that's over there. And uh, we're sending teams. Daniel and I actually are going ourselves in May. We're, we're sending worship leaders. And the number one thing that the Kurdish Muslims are asking for is for worship leaders to come. That's their number one request. Beyond food, beyond aid, beyond ammunition, 
beyond any of that. They want musicians to come to change the atmosphere. These are people that are not even saved yet, but they get it, you know. And uh, we actually have worship teams that are on the front lines. And I can't go into a lot of the stories because I don't have time. But basically, like, as ISIS has been bearing down on some of these villages, the, the uh, Kurdish Peshmerga, which are the, kind of the forces of Kurdistan that are the ones that are standing up against ISIS, every time they go into battle, they look for a worship team to bring with them. And they bring them to the front lines. And my, my buddy, he was texting me the other day. My buddy, he's a worship leader, was texting me the other day. He goes, dude, I can see ISIS through my binoculars. I don't remember where I was. I was like in the airport somewhere in the U.S. And he's like, dude, I'm looking at ISIS in my binoculars. And I'm like, why are you texting me? Like, and he's like, we're on the front lines right now. He's like, and, and the Kurds, they're asking us to come and do worship. Because every time we bring worshipers on the front lines, they are victorious, you know. And... And this isn't like, you know, this isn't like prophetic embellishment. This is like the New Testament coming alive. This is like, this is like Jehoshaphat, like, but yet in our day, you know. And so anyway, it's just funny because along the theology of global domination, this is my pinky in the brain strategy, um, I was driving on the way in here and, and, and like, I was kind of frustrated because like, there's like a a toll booth every like three miles. Like, I don't know when that happened. I never had toll booths when I lived in Virginia, but I just, I just keep kind of scrounge around for quarters. It's so annoying. And, but then I got a call from our team in Northern Iraq, literally on the way here. And I asked them if I could share this with you guys. And I haven't shared it with anyone else because I just got news, but they said, and I haven't heard from them for three days. And of course, like the news, I don't know if you saw yesterday, ISIS captured a military base and people are freaking out. And it's like, it's like the goal of the liberal media is to move you into fear and intimidation. And so, so many of us, like perfect love casts out all fear. So that's why there's a correlation to the posture of connecting in first love and then walking in confidence in the love of God to know that you are part of a kingdom that will never be shaken. So it's really funny, you know, this, this, this whole open door came about. I mean, we have, we have literally like open door to all of, the, all of the refugee camps where there's 60, 70, 80, 100,000 refugees that are the most unreached people on the earth all gathered together, a captive audience waiting for the message of hope. So awesome. And we have an open door and we actually have protection from the Kurds, from the Muslim Kurds are encouraging us Christian believers to come and literally see everyone get saved. So anyway, our crew is funny. They were in Erbil. You know, they landed there a couple days ago and um, said, you'll never believe what happened. I was talking to them, you know, on on the phone. It's kind of cutting in and out and I'm paying tolls every like five minutes. And and uh, and. They said, you know, we got in, we, we actually got invited into like one of the largest mosques in Erbil yesterday. And, and I mean, like, I can't even explain to you guys how desperate the Muslim people are. Like, three years ago, you would have never been invited as a Christian into a mosque. I mean, it just doesn't happen. But they're so disillusioned and they're so brokenhearted and they're looking for anything with hope, anything with life, anything with true love. That They invited our team and the first team that we sent out there, you're going to love this, because it was the only ones willing to go at the drop of a hat because we just started this, this, this project, is four 20-year-old worship leader girls. 20-year-olds. Like the kind of people they tell you not to send. Right? Like, those are the ones we sent. Why? Because they were the ones that raised their hand and said, send me. You know, and, and it was just a miracle how it all worked out. But they got invited in by these Muslim women, and they were in, 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 in this mosque yesterday. And they got invited in, and, 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 and they said, and we just went into the mosque. And, and, like, the spirit of intercession hit us, you know, and all the women are in there, and they're wailing, and they're just, uh, you know, and the call to prayer is going off, you know, and... And they said they just laid on the carpet and the spirit of intercession came on them and they just started travailing and weeping and crying over, over the Kurds and over the Muslims and over the persecuted and over the hopeless. And, 
and like, uh, you know, and it lasted for like two hours. I don't even know how they let them do that in the mosque, but like they transformed that place into an intercession zone, you know. And then as they, as they left, they really felt like the Lord told them, you are going to see the hardest and darkest reach with the gospel. Uh, an hour later, they walked into a meeting of Iranian Kurds that had like jumped across the border. And, and literally there was 30 of them. And in one meeting, in two hours, every single one of them gave their life to Jesus. And every single one was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so good. And they were sending me, I was going to show you some pictures, but I, they were sending me pictures of them like in this house together. And of course, there's the most beautiful rugs everywhere. And these people are just face down prostrate. And like, you can almost see like in the picture, you're just struck with, with the, the power of what's happening in the moment. But I share that story with you because this love that we're tapping into, this, this reality of sonship, this freedom is not just so that we can feel better on Sunday morning. This is the hope of the nations. And I just want to read a few verses to you. If you'll turn real quick to 1 John um, uh, chapter 3. I'm going to put my glasses back on. My reading glasses. Um, in, in my heart really this morning, I, I just want you guys to be so gripped with the accessibility into unlimited measures of love and grace and hope. And I feel like, you know, that sometimes our prayer isn't, shouldn't, shouldn't be maybe as much as, God, we want more of you. Instead, maybe it should be, God, give us a greater awareness of you. Open our eyes to access the things in the spirit and in our, in, our, in our lives that we can access. And, you know, this season is one, guys, that's, I mean, I was just in Japan and, you know, number one nation in the world for suicide. 647 Japanese kill themselves every week. The highest pressure society in the world, Tokyo, is 33.5 million people. The largest urban sprawl in the world. And right now, Japan is quickly becoming the, the, the number one most unreached people group because, you know, there, there are people that are very close-hearted to the gospel, and while Korea and China are, is, you know, still experiencing, the, the, you know, the gospel spreading across the nations, the, the Japanese are, are, it's been a tough nut to crack, you know, mostly because they have a shame thing, they, they're wrapped in this, you know, Shintoism and this Buddhism, and anyway, we have this this little group of burn guys that, that are there in Japan. And literally, I was with, like, five days ago, I was with a Japanese megachurch, which was, like, 80 people. You know, the average church size there is about 12 people. And we were together with 80 people, and I've never seen such passion in the Japanese. But as I was watching these guys, it was like I was so convicted, you know, because they don't do charity church, you know. It's not like... You know, punch your Sunday morning time card. You know, we live in the South. It's what you do. It's part of culture, blah, 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 blah. Like, they have to believe it to live. Like, they worship to survive. <laughs> like, they enter in to this love because if they don't have it, they fall under the ceiling of depression and heaviness that's over their nation. Like, they need it. And it's like you can see them. And, you know, it's one of the things I love so much about the, like, this wave of sincerity that's crashing on the church in America in this season, where we're really going to mean the words that we sing, where they're really going to cost us something. And I was just, one of the things I've always loved about this church is your guys' passion for worship. And I love that, that you do ridiculous things like drink insane amounts of coffee and worship for six hours through the night. It's like, these are people after my own heart, you know? And I love the fact that God is recalibrating our mentality and our paradigm to where we understand the most efficient place will always be at his feet. You know, and in the church, you, you, there's many things we're called to do. There's many programs we're called to do. You guys do such a phenomenal job of outreach and such a phenomenal job. I mean, you give, 
You give cinnamon rolls to the homeless. I mean, that's powerful. That's anointing right there. It's like with each bite, it's just the spirit of breakthrough, you know. I was just so moved, you know. I mean, you, you guys do such a great job. And on the campus, you have a heart to reach out. And, and all those things are just going to grow. And you're called to all those things. But while there's many things we're called to do as believers and many things we're called to do in the church, there will always only be one thing. And there will always only be the first thing. And the first thing is what empowers you to do all the other things. If you try to do all the other things without doing the first thing, you've got no juice. You've got nothing. You can't give what you don't have. And for so long, we've tried in the church, specifically in the Western world, to give away what we don't have. And it's cheap. And the world doesn't want it. You know? They don't want a track. They don't want theology. They don't want our, our, our paradigms and our religious webs. They want encounter. They want authenticity. They want the realness of Jesus. And I'll never forget, you know, as we started our journey, you know, um, uh, you know and, and the Lord called us to, to do this this crazy thing called the burn, and people thought we were some kind of cultic, arsonistic group, you know, and we, we, we kind of seemed like it at the time a little bit. I could see where they got it from, you know, but I'll never forget I got this call from one of the head t uh, TV producers of MTV, and she called me. I don't even know how she got my number, but she said, you know, she said, we've heard about what you're doing. We've heard that there's, there's young people that they're in their 20s, and and, and, and they're, they're in their teens and they're coming and instead of going to bars and clubs and instead of partying, they're coming and they're, they're singing all night long. She's like, what is this you're doing? And she was really interested, you know, and she had, had helped uh, produce some of the leading, uh, you know, uh, MTV shows at the time. And she was like, you know, we just think this is so weird and it's just kind of cool. And she's like, what are you guys doing? Like, what do you sing? What do you do all night? And why do they stay? And and, you know, and, and it was so funny because at the time we didn't even have a website. We didn't, even, uh, we didn't even have Facebook. I mean, we were just like, it was so grassroots, you know. We didn't even know where we were going tomorrow. We were just flying on the wind, you know, and following the Holy Spirit. And we, me and my wife were just married and we had given, given everything up and our jobs and our cars and our house and everything. And we were just on the road and, 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 and when our hearts were burning to see furnaces of worship and resting places for the presence of God established and and I remember I talked to her, and, and before I even answered her, I said, why are you contacting me? Like, what is the deal? Like, like why do you even care? You know, why, how did you find me, and, and why do you care? She's like, oh, we know. You know, it's my job, she said, to have a pulse on what's moving a generation. This is what she said. And she said, and, and, she's, like, and she's like, every year for the past three years, we've done a subscri subscriber survey across MTV and all of our subscribers have said, you know, what is the number one thing that you want to know more about in the coming year? And she said, three years in a row, the number one thing they want to know more about is God. And she said, and I want to give it to them, you know. And this is like a secular, like, like liberal, like, like somebody way different than me, you know. And, 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 and it just gave me the revelation, you know. It's like, I think... We, like, we so easily think there's, like, an us and them, you know. It's like, oh, brother, go out and help them, you know, those poor people that haven't, you know. And it, it's like we build these weird barriers where we don't understand. Guys, the whole world wants the presence of God. Like, the whole world is created for the presence of God. That's why they're walking through. That's why our girls, you know, our power girls, you know, are walking through refugee camps with their guitars, singing songs and they're being guarded by Peshmerga Muslim forces to sing worship over refugees. It's because the whole world, it's attractive to the world. It's attractive to the world, man. The, the Lord, it's, you know, it says in, in, in Romans eight nineteen that all creation groans for the sons of God. All creation longs. Not for another religious paradigm. They're longing for the sons of God. They're longing for sonship, for true love. And you can get mad all you want about people going to see gnarly movies, Fifty Shades of Grey, and I can't believe people did. What do you expect them to do? They're the world. But when they encounter true love, when they encounter real intimacy, when they get their hearts gripped,
with the revelation that, that a, a good father loves them and wants them. When they understand that, the chains begin to break. And this revelation, uh, this is like, this is like the best verse ever. If I got a tattoo, I'd probably get this one. I'm not going to get one, but if I did. And it says in 1 John 3, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Turn to someone and say, and that is what we are. But say it like you're really convinced, you know. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. In other words, stop trying to blend in. You're weird. Embrace your weirdness. It's your weirdness is what they want. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. And I love the staggering potential of that verse. I love the, the thought and the notion that, that when we gather together and we we sing and we enter into the presence of God that it's not just words banging on a ceiling or, or it's not just reading what's on a screen, but there's actually something that takes place when we gaze on Him, when we hang with Him. We actually become like Him. You know, you become what you behold. So what are you beholding? You beholding anxiety? You're going to become anxiety. You beholding fear? You'll be holding CNN, you're going to become just like them. But are you stewarding the place of encounter? And, and, and one of the things, and I just want to get super practical, because I feel like that everything that's spiritual is everything that's practical. If it's not practical, it's probably not spiritual. And I'm not talking about, oh, we just get to escape and be in the glory clouds with cherubims, and we just get to, and gold dust is falling, and whoa, you know, and we're just, no, I'm talking about, in the hard places in life. You know, yesterday I was with my wife. She's just such a legend. You know, I left her with two little sick kids and negative three degrees. And, you know, one of them is just crying and running around the house, and you have to change a diaper about every, it's, I think it's about like every 23 minutes. You know, we're on a cycle. Some, somebody needs their diaper changed, you know. And discovering what does it look like to host him and invite him, and to create a place where God can land in the midst of the mundaneness of our life. You know, we can talk about the 2% of the time that we're here singing in church, hanging out with each other, and that is an important percentage of our life. But God just doesn't want the 2%. He wants the whole enchilada. He came for the whole deal. You know, and I believe, my friends, in, in 2015, I believe that there's a grace for us to, to make the mundane miraculous. I believe that there's a place, you know, and I've been just meditating on this, about how do we see the duty become delight? You know, how do we find that place again of first love? And, you know, one of the things I love so much is, like, my kids, they're, they're like, they, they don't know how to live from disappointment or fear because they haven't had enough of it in their life, you know? Like, that hasn't become the lens on how they view the world and God. Like, they think the world is, like, the best place ever. They wake up every morning and are stoked to be alive. And they run downstairs and, you know, and I love how they even approach me as their father. You know, they, you know, my four-year-old Katura, you know, she, she doesn't come up to me and go, kneel by my bed. Thouest father. Would thy grant us the request of cereal this morning? You know. Would you poureth thy milk? No. She comes up to me. She grabs me by the face. I'm not even awake yet. She goes, Daddy! Wake up! You know, 6.52 a.m. 
Wake up! It's a beautiful day! Hey, Daddy, cereal, 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 you know. And she just knows by nature that I'm a good father. She knows I want to give her good things. So she approaches with confidence and joy, knowing that she's going to get what she's asking for. You know, and there's no religion, you know. There's no, there's no formalities. There's no, like, like hierarchy to the way that she approaches us or approaches God, you know. And I feel like a lot of this call to return to first love, and, you know, it says in, in Revelation, and, and let's actually, let's just end there in Revelation 2. I just want to end there. Um, because I believe that this is the call to this church, like, and I, you know, I've been sharing a little bit about this every time I'm here, and I love the fact that, you know, that you guys are, are stepping into doing more sets of worship, and, and I think I dropped a, some kind of prophetic word about, you know, this place being a, a furnace of worship for the campus of VCU, and, you know, seeing, seeing you know, hopeless, wandering, you know, college students lost in disillusionment, walking in here, finding the truth of why they were created, you know. I just think it's so ridiculous that, you know, you guys live all in Virginia, and you don't get a chance to travel around the world, but yet the world has come to you. And that the number one, you know, the, 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 the number one, I looked this up last time I was here, but those that attend to VCU, uh, the top three constituents outside of people in the U.S. are actually all from the Muslim world. Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, I forget there was one more. In, and India, yeah, India, Hindus. So you got Hindus and Muslims that are paying and... You know, the cool thing is, is they're not just sending anybody. They're sending their brightest. They're sending the future leaders of the nation to be indoctrinated and discipled in your city. On the very campus that you meet together and you create a canopy of the presence of God. Like this is the, what we are tapping into is not just a religious exercise. This is the hope of planet Earth. You know, and it says in here in, in, in Revelation 2, and I'm, I, I'm kind of preaching to the choir because, I mean, you guys are on this track, but I just want to encourage you on this Valentine's Day weekend, like, let's just fall more in love with Jesus. Like, let's just commit this year to be a church and a people where we get first things first. And, you know, seek ye first the kingdom and everything's going to be added. It's like David, you know, he said, as soon as I become king, I'm going to ignite 33 years of nonstop worship. And he built the Tabernacle of David, and he hired 4,000 musicians. I love saying that in church. I love just saying, hire musicians. <laughs> See how that just rolls off the tongue? Hire musicians. It feels so good. But David, in an inferior covenant, in an inferior day, it's what Paul says, you know, he's in an inferior covenant where he, he couldn't access what you can access because the veil hadn't been torn. But he actually had a revelation of a New Testament paradigm. And so he created 33 years in First and Second Chronicles of unbroken worship. And it says that during that 33-year period, he won every battle he fought. He became the most wealthy, prosperous nation in the world, even to when he passed the kingdom on to his son Solomon, that the queen of Sheba was making a journey to come see the wealth of the kingdom. And everything can be traced back to the establishment of the first love. One thing I ask, that I may gaze on the beauty of the Lord. One thing, you know. So it says right here, and, and it was so cool. Last year we were in Turkey. 77 million million Muslims and, and less than 3,000 believers across the whole nation. It's, it's the nation with the number one uh, most biblical heritage except for Israel. It's where all of the New Testament was either written from or to, was Turkey. And um, we were actually in ancient Ephesus, which is where this letter is written to. And we were in ancient Ephesus, and I just get so geeked out sharing this. Um, we were with indigenous Kurds, or sorry, indigenous Turks. And we were gathering together to launch the first ever burn in ancient Ephesus, which is the literal physical response to this word. I mean, this is definitely a spiritual word for the church, but 
Anyway, keep that in mind as we read this. It says, verse 1, these are the words to him who holds the seven stars on the right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those you claim to be apostles and are not and have found them false. It's like that starts out pretty good. Like the words from Jesus, you know, you kind of look through the rest of the churches and they all kind of get rebukes at first, you know, and the Ephesus crew must have been feeling pretty good, you know. Yeah, we don't tolerate wickedness and yeah, yeah, you know, we, we have good works and, you know, they must be like pretty pumped, you know, and, and then he drops this bomb and he's, if you have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. Then he says, verse four, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. In other words, everything else I shared has now been nullified. You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And that's just what I want to pray over you. Remember when you first fell in love with Jesus. Like before all the, before you went through some church funk, before you had some relational deals, before you got burned out, before blah, 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 before all of those layers, you remember that first time you met Jesus? And you were just so overcome and overwhelmed. Like, I got the privilege um, a few months ago to lead my three-year-old in the prayer of salvation. I mean, it was like the, it was literally the highlight of my life so far. And it was so powerful because she's only three, you know, but yet when we prayed over, she was so filled with joy, she just spun and danced and ran around the room. And she was like, she was like, Jesus! She was like, no more, no more nightmares, Jesus! She's like, she's like, you know, and she was just so happy and she's so filled with joy and and, and I was so happy, and I was so overcome, and it caused me to remember the things that I used to do at first, how ridiculously, insanely in love I was. And people in love will do things that people in love won't do, people out of love won't do. Christians that are in love will do crazy things. Not out of duty, but out of love. You know, Jesus isn't looking for workers. Looking for lovers. Because lovers will work harder than workers. And they'll do it with a sparkle in their eye, you know. And so, and I just feel like on this Valentine's Day, I just, this, this weekend, I just feel like there's this baptism of like first love. And I mean, you guys are so awesome. And the things that you do in this church and the things that you're involved with in this city are so amazing. But I feel like that there's an upgrade coming to all those areas as we begin to fall in love more. That our outreach is just going to be more effective. That, our, that, that the way we relate to our coworkers and our, and our husbands and our wives, and when I was talking to my wife, I'm like, I need to fall in love with Jesus more so that I can love you better. You know, if you're trying to love your wife or your spouse or your husband in your own strength, good luck. I mean, and my wife's very easy to love, you know? But it's like, it translates into all areas of our life. If you get first things first, it empowers you to do everything else. Seek ye first the kingdom and everything will be added. So can I just pray over you? Can we just stand up and maybe we can get the worship team back up here? And, and I, I want to say too on the heels of that, um, I'm unashamedly drove down here from Pennsylvania in the blizzard Left my wife and my three kids on Valentine's Day. You can hear the sob story coming. No, but I am asking you today on your way out to buy everything that you can. CDs, books, and everything because 100% of it is going to the refugees in northern Iraq this month. Although, usually 100% of it goes to our diaper fund. We're redirecting it. And no, literally though, we're giving everything, everything to them. And I actually, um, uh, I have, it's funny, I ha actually have these right here, which um, are uh, Arabic New Testaments. 
and I and I and I have these, and these are these are the same type of Bibles that we give out, that we hand out, and that we give to new believers. And I have a handful of these back there. And, and obviously, I don't know if anyone in here reads Arabic, but this is just such a prophetic, you know, picture of the gospel going forth to the darkest and hardest nations in the world. And if you want to sow into this trip, if you want to give at least, you know, $100 today, if you're moved by that, I want you to take a copy of this just to put it on your fridge, just to remember every time you flip on the news and and more news of ISIS and more beheadings, you know, tries to draw you into fear. You know, you would look at this and you would know the gospel will prevail. It will not be shaken. It will prevail across the world. So anyway, that's back there. There's several other... I brought, you know, um, that really, I brought a couple of the CDs that I first fell in love with Jesus in. Um, and I, I, I never usually bring these because they're older ones, but these projects called Waiting and Waiting Still, they're just acoustic guitar, violin, piano. And this was before I did albums with a full band and at really nice studios. This was just in, in my house at the time. And, and it was just these, these raw, gut-wrenching, honest um, projects of just really worship times just that we recorded falling in love with Jesus and they've really helped us on our journey and, and just been an embodiment of, of our heart as, as we've gone across the world so anyway these are back there um, there's an I think I have a new CD since I was here last um, where it is somewhere anyway but oh yeah here it is boundary lines this is really fun it's cool uh, we just finished this and uh, we, we recorded it out in Seattle Washington and, um, in a, yeah, go Seahawks. They got robbed. But anyway, um, and we were in a barn. We were gathered in a barn with about, you know, 50 just wild worshipers. And we, hit, we hung mics everywhere and we hit record. And we had just the most joyful time of worship and just danced in the barn. And you can just hear that, the sound of joy. So anyway, this is back there as well. And we just released a new book uh, called The Collision of Vertical Worship and the Great Commission. And um, from... You know, from from the one thing, you know, to the nations of the world. And so this is back there as well. But I just, let me just pray over you. And then I think our response this morning, like if you just, and we have a ministry team, right? Yeah, so if you want to just get prayed for into the season of, of first love. But let me just, if we could just extend our hands. I just want to pray. Thank you guys for, for bearing with me. It went over a little bit. But um, the restaurants will still be open. And it's still cold outside, so you're not missing much. But Lord, I just thank you, Father, for this church harvest renewal. I thank you for the calling and the mandate on this, on this house to be a light in the darkness, God. I thank you, God, that this is a healing center, God, that this is a, a, a glory zone, Lord, that this is, a, this is a, a canopy of your presence in the midst of a college campus, God, that this is... this that in this room and with these people is the hope of the nations. He's residing with us. And I just pray, Father, today, God, that you will baptize us afresh and anew with first love. Lord, that you will bring us back to the things that we did at first. I even pray today, God, as we leave, restore the butterflies, restore, God, the giddiness, restore the hope, restore the joy, God, that's been stolen, Father through maybe years of, of, of wounding God or maybe just callousness or maybe just the monotony and the drudgery of life. I pray today, God, come and breathe the wind afresh and anew. Make it new again. Make it come alive again. That we would leave this place with a skip in our step, God, with a joy in our heart, with a song on our lips, Father. pray for those in here, God, maybe there's some that never have felt the giddiness and that excitement. Pray this morning, God, that you would come and encounter them with your love. How great is the love that you've lavished on us that we would be called the children of God. And that is what we are. I just speak over you, that is what you are. That is what you are, sons and daughters of the living God. I'd like for our ministry team to come up here if you're a part of our 
schedule for be a part of our ministry team today. Please come up here and just be ready to pray with people that might need prayer this morning. not your Sunday. <laughs> Come on up anyway. We just want to thank Sean so much, Sean, for being with us today, my friend. Buddy, we we feel like that you're part of family here. I told him welcome home and it's good for him to finally get back home here. So, um, what a wonderful morning, amen. Let me just encourage you today, if God is stirring your heart, God's doing something in your heart of just getting things right, rededication, coming back to the first love. You need healing this morning. Something in your body is really hurting. You need healing. I want to pray with you. If you're here today and you have, as far as you know, you've never really given your life to Christ. There's a void deep on the inside of your heart. But you know that God brought you in today for this purpose, that you might meet the Father, that you might meet your Heavenly Father. We would love to pray with you. And you can walk out of this place, man, son, woman of God. You can walk out of this place so changed and, and becoming a new person. And so we want to pray with you. That's you. I just sense there. Maybe a couple of people here today that you're here with us and you've you've never settled that in your heart today. It's never been settled in your heart. And you always have lingering doubts whether it's really happened or not. Let's get it settled today. And we would love, we have a team here would love to pray with you and make sure that that's settled. Amen? Praise God. We're going to have a special event right after our service this morning for our all of our new members.